Hello, Community Health Center advocates. This is Kristen, and welcome to this week's Advocacy in Minutes. Today is November 3rd, 2020, and here's the latest in advocacy and more in minutes. Joining me today is Marie McCauley and Shamal Shepard. Today is the day we all have been eagerly waiting for, Election Day. Please be sure to do your civic duty and encourage your loved ones to vote as well. Community health centers across the country are counting on us to represent the needs of 30 million patients. Please continue your advocacy online and encourage others to hashtag vote for community health. Also, keep an eye out for a special Advocacy and Minutes podcast looking at the election in the near future. For further support, feel free to email us or follow us on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Facebook. Now, let's get to the latest Community Health Center policy and advocacy news. Marie? Things are relatively quiet on Capitol Hill this week, as staff and members of Congress alike await the national election results. Once members return from the November recess and the congressional election results are announced, talks concerning a fourth COVID-19 relief package and fiscal year 2021 congressional appropriations and mandatory funding for health extender programs are all expected to resume. Shamal, what's happening in the administration this week? On Thursday, October 29th, the HHS Office of the National Coordinator for HIT, or ONC, released an interim final rule delaying the deadline for healthcare providers and HIT vendors to comply with the new regulations limiting information blocking practices. This is the second time the deadline has been delayed in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. While the first extension ran through November 2, 2020, the new deadline is now April 2021. Last month, HHS again revised the definition of lost revenues which PRF funding may be used to offset. On October 22nd, HHS announced that lost revenues should be defined as the difference between a provider's actual patient care revenue in 2019 versus 2020, calculated quarterly. This definition is tighter than the one HHS announced in June, but looser than the definition announced in September. NAC staff are currently working with the PCA Leadership Committee to create a forum for resolving detailed questions raised by the last definition. Kristen, what's happening in the States? On October 28, 2020, CMS issued an interim final rule establishing vaccine-related coverage provisions for Medicare, Medicaid, CHIP, and private insurance. The rule has not been published in the Federal Register, but will have a 30-day comment period starting the day it is published. The rule states that as a condition of receiving free COVID-19 vaccines from the federal government, providers will be prohibited from charging consumers for administration of the vaccine. NAC is reviewing and will follow up with more information. CMS issued toolkits aimed at state Medicaid agencies, providers who administer the vaccine, and health insurance plans. Some important highlights include states that receive the temporary FMAP increase must provide COVID-19 testing services and treatments for all Medicaid enrollees without cost sharing during the public health emergency. After the public health emergency, Medicaid programs must still be required to cover COVID-19 vaccines for several populations. Beneficiaries with Medicare will have no cost sharing for COVID-19 vaccines and providers can be reimbursed for administrating the COVID-19 vaccine to individuals without insurance through the PRF. On October 26, 2020, CMS approved an extension of the Healthy Indiana Plan demonstration through December 2030. The state's work requirements and other eligibility restrictions, including a six-month non-eligibility period for failure to pay premiums for individuals with incomes above 100% of the federal poverty line, 
were conditionally approved for five years contingent on the decision in Azar versus Gresham. Premiums, co-payments, and the two-tiered benefit system remain in place and are part of the renewal. States can also change premiums and co-payments up to the cap of 5% of household income without CMS's further permission. This action comes after CMS approved Georgia's Pathways to Coverage Waiver on October 15, 2020, which imposed new work requirements. They then finalized the conditions of approval for the Georgia Access Model 1332 waiver. CMS also approved Nebraska's Heritage Health Adult Waiver on October 20, 2020, providing additional benefits to new enrollees starting April 1, 2021, if they comply with community engagement and personal responsibility requirements. Marie, do you have anything to add to that? Yep, thanks, Kristen. In October, 94% of health centers were conducting visits virtually. State and federal policy must protect health centers' ability to provide and be reimbursed for telehealth services. The updated NAC Resources Guide that you can find in your Washington update provides an essential understanding of how states may improve Medicaid coverage of telehealth, sample state plan language, and model state legislation. To address the falling childhood vaccination rates reported by the CDC due to the COVID-19 pandemic, HHS announced in August that it would allow pharmacists to administer vaccines to children between the ages of 3 and 18 years old in all states. The blog post linked in your Washington update informs on the potential benefits and harms of this policy as the federal government works to innovate in changing times while addressing critical public health concerns. Shamal, do we have any updates and data? Yes, there are three new resources you can find in our Washington update. NAC's new report discusses the challenges health centers have experienced with ramping up COVID-19 testing, strategies they took to overcome them, and any challenges they anticipate encountering soon. The report draws on input from health center staff throughout the nation on these topics, some of which is highlighted in the report's testimonials. Also, NAC's new infographic provides high-level findings from the previous report on this topic and includes some additional testimonials from health center staff on their experiences with COVID-19 testing. And the third new infographic looks at health center's response to COVID-19 from the beginning of the pandemic in early April to early October. The infographic presents important COVID-19 data, including the number of health center patients tested, health center's testing capabilities, health center's telehealth and visit rates, how many sites have temporarily closed, and how many staff have tested positive over time. Kristen, do we have any learning opportunities this week? Yes, we have one quick one. Join Embrace Race on November 11th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time for an in in conversation about how movies and television shape children's ideas about race and ethnicity. They will discuss what healthy racial content on big and small screens looks and sounds like nowadays, what we can do to encourage the development of more high-quality racial representations on TV and movies, and how we can help children we love critically engage with media. Register in your Washington update online. Thanks team. For our listeners, some quick reminders. Please continue to refer to our HC advocacy, coronavirus advocacy tools in this challenging time. You can find the advocacy website at hcadvocacy.org. Also make sure you're subscribed to our Washington update so you can see more health center news and also see what we are reading. In order to keep up with all upcoming advocacy events, visit hcadvocacy.org slash calendar. And for further support, please don't hesitate to email us at grassroots at NAC.org or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HC Advocacy. 
As always, a huge thank you to all of our advocates for your strong advocacy efforts. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll be back next week. Happy Election Day, everybody.